Does anybody remember that pop band called Fifth Dimension? I, I wrote down some of their, their popular songs. Songs like Up, Up and Away, or Wedding Bell Blues, or Last Night I Didn't Get to Sleep at All. Anyway, as I was thinking about this band, the fifth dimension, I thought, what is the fifth dimension? So I looked it up, and I'll spare you most of the details. It's, it's basically mathematics, but here's just kind of an explanation, real simple. If you have a dot here and a dot here, and you draw a line to it, that line is called the first dimension. It's just a line. If you add another line to it, you've got two dimensions. You have two lines. If you add a third line, it's three dimensions. And that would give you height and depth or width and breadth. And then there's the fourth dimension. And, and there's a lot of controversy over what is the fourth dimension. Now, most people think it's time, a length of time. And then the fifth dimension was first talked about back in the late 1920s. And there was a couple of very bright German scientists, and they came up with this theory. This is their theory. It's an attempt to unify the four fundamental forces in nature. Strong nuclear forces, weak nuclear forces, gravity, and electromagnetism. It's all a mathematical theory, the, the fifth dimension, not directly observable, and, and it means it has no relationship to your life. Well, this weekend... As we begin this third part of the 40 days of prayer, I, I want to look at the idea of praying in the fifth dimension. Praying in five different dimensions. And, and, and stay with me, because I'm, I'm sure many of you at this point are thinking, Tim, you've lost it. Right? Tim, we have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> What's wrong with you? But, but I'm asking you, just be patient with me. See, I know sometimes you feel like you might be pulled in many different directions. And if you're being pulled in a lot of different directions, then you need a multidimensional kind of prayer, way to pray. I mean, one-dimensional prayer is, is boring. Two-dimensional two prayer is boring. One-dimensional prayer is ineffective. So how do we pray in five dimensions? Well, before we get into that, I, I want to give you a couple uh, truths, things you may already know, but, but remind you of them, on the fundamental basis of prayer. And number one is this, God is a multidimensional God. He's not one-dimensional or, or two-dimensional, He's a multidimensional God. And I say this because the most important thing I can teach you about prayer will not be dependent on how much you know about prayer. It's dependent on how much you know about God. And the more you understand God, the better your prayers are going to be. The more effective they'll be. The more fulfilled they'll be. The more satisfied your prayer life will be. It's not learning all about prayer. I mean, that's important. But what's more important is understanding God. And it starts with the fact that God is a multi-dimensional God. And what do I mean by that? Well, it means that he's not just one dimension. And you can see that in different things. Right? We see that in creation. I mean, you look around and the God who created this multi-dimensional world and universe is a multi-dimensional creator. There are dimensions that we know about, but there are also dimensions we don't. The Bible talks about the spiritual realm. We don't know about that. Right? We, we don't live in that. We don't see that. 
The, the Bible says this about creation, which we do see. Romans 1, verse 20. It says, Since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen in what has been made so that men are without excuse. And people say, well, what about all those men who have never read the Bible? And true, they haven't read the Bible, but people can still learn a lot about God through nature. I mean, we don't have to have the Bible for a lot of things. We don't have to have the Bible to understand that God likes variety. Right? That's pretty obvious when you look at nature. We know God is organized. That's obvious. We know God is creative. We know God likes diversity. We know God is powerful. You can look at the thunder and lightning and earthquakes and storms and asteroids and, and all these different things in society and the world and we know a universe that God is creative and powerful. We can learn a lot about God just through nature. So the Bible says we're without excuse. There are a lot of things that said God is a God of complexity. In Job chapter 11, Job and God are having this conversation. and Job's basically complaining about all that has just taken place in his life. Right? All that he's lost and all that's happened. And, and God says, well, wait a minute. He says, I'm the creator. I, I'm in charge here. He says, Job, let me ask you three some questions. And he says this, Job, can you fathom the mysteries of God? Can you probe the limits of the Almighty? They're higher than heavens. What can you do? They're deeper than the depths of the grave. What, what can you know? Their measure is longer than the earth and wider than the sea. God is a multidimensional God because creation shows the complexity that God created. Another way we see His multidimensional nature is in the incarnation of Jesus. Right? God came from heaven to earth and became a human being. The Word became flesh. It says in John 1.14, The Word became human being and lived among us. We saw His glory. He was full of grace and truth. The, the fact that God can be God, and God can come to earth and be human, shows He's multidimensional. He didn't have a problem. All right, if God wanted to communicate to ants, he would have become an ant. Or he wanted to communicate with cows, he'd become a cow. But he wanted to communicate to humans, and so he became one of us. It's multidimensional. The proof is in the fact of Jesus Christ. The Bible says this about Jesus in Hebrews 13. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do you know anybody like that? I mean, are you going to be the same forever? No. No, you're not even the same as you were last week. <laughs> I mean, you've lost a few hairs. You've added a few wrinkles, right? You're not the same. See, what this is saying is Jesus isn't bound by space or time because He's God, because He's multidimensional. The Bible says this in Revelation chapter 1, verse 4. Grace and peace to you from Him who is and who was and who is to come. That includes everything. That isn't describing us. I mean, it's not like you were, you are, and you will be. Right? <laughs> but Jesus is multidimensional. God the Father is multidimensional. We even see it in the Holy Spirit. 
third part of the Trinity and the way that He moves. John chapter 3, verse 8 says this, The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you don't know where the wind comes from or where it's going. That's the way it is with everybody born of the Holy Spirit. See, he's basically telling us you can't put the Holy Spirit in a box. You can't control Him. He's like the wind. You, you don't know where it comes from. You don't know where it's going. You, you hear a sound. And he says the Holy Spirit moves in dimensions we don't move in. You can't see the Holy Spirit, so clearly that's a dimension we're not acquainted with. He's multi-dimensional. So here's the second point. Because God is multi-dimensional, I'm never alone. We're never alone. Because He's in every dimension at the same time. He's in the past. He's in the present. He's in the future. He's here. He's there. He's in heaven. He's on earth. He's in the spirit world. He's in our world. He's everywhere all the time. Right? He's in you, above you, around you because He's multidimensional. Not a bunch of gods. It's one God. And the person of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And here's what David said in Psalms 139. He said, Where could I go to escape from you? Where could I ever get away from your presence? If I went to heaven, you'd be there. If I lay down in, in the world of the dead, you'd be there. If I flew way beyond the east or lived the farthest place to the west, you'd be there too to lead me. You'd be there to help me. I could ask the darkness to hide me, but even darkness isn't dark to you, and the night is as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. He's everywhere. And just a, a little tip, never play hide-and-seek with God because everywhere you hide, He's already there. I mean, we're talking about the omnipresence of God. He's everywhere in all things and beginning and the end, yesterday, today, tomorrow. And if God is everywhere, it means there's no place you've been, it's, there's no place you are, and there's no place you're ever going to be that God's not going to be there. And I don't know about you, but that encourages me. Because I know that there's no place in my future that I can go that God is not going to be there for me. And I know I'll never be alone. And so now what does all this have to do with prayer? Well, it has a lot to pray about prayer. Because what it means is, since God is everywhere, and He's in the past, and the present, and the future, and every dimension of the world, and, and dimensions we don't even know about, because He's everywhere, you can talk to Him about every dimension of your life. And He already stands it. See, because God is a multi-dimensional God, you don't want to have a one-dimensional prayer life. So, so let's look at the five dimensions of our lives that we can pray about. First, it looks backwards to the cross. See, here's a very practical way. When you start your prayers, don't start with the problems of today. Don't start with the fears of tomorrow. Start with what you're grateful for that's already happened. It's good to start your prayers with the cross because it starts you with an attitude of gratitude. Because it fills you with thanksgiving. I mean, when I think about Jesus Christ dying on the cross for me, it reminds me of a lot of things. It reminds me of how deeply God loves me. 
It reminds me of how costly my sin is. Most importantly, it reminds me of how completely I'm forgiven. It's a great way to start your prayer. How much God loves you. Even though your sins were a mess, you're forgiven. 1 Peter 1.18 For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers but with the precious blood of Christ a lamb without blemish or defect. You, you know how much something is worth? It, it, whatever someone is willing to pay for it. Right? I mean, you may have some valuable possessions in your home and you think, oh, they're worth this much. You may have some antiques or, or collectibles or, or maybe gold or silver or something and you think, well, this is valuable. It's worth this much. But, but you know how much it's worth? It's only worth whatever someone is willing to pay you for it. Well, how much are you worth? Look at the cross. God sent His one and only Son to earth to die for you. The Son of God became the Son of Man so that the Son of Man could be sons of God. And He did what we couldn't do for ourselves. You can't pay for all the sins that you've committed. I can't pay for all the sins that I've committed. And so God says, you know what? I love you so much. I'll do it for you. That shows how much you're worth. He gave a son for you. And so when we pray, think about how much Jesus loves us. Think about how much you're forgiven and look back at the cross. It's a great place to start. And think about this. Right now, all of the sins that you've committed in the past, think about that. And they're forgiven. They've been taken care of. Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's multidimensional. All the sins you've committed have been forgiven. But also this, the sins you haven't committed yet, they've already been paid for. And that's a big deal. Because it means that we can go into our future knowing, even though I don't want to sin, I know I'm going to because I'm not a perfect human being, but I also know that that sin has been paid for on the cross. And when I go before God and I repent of my sins and I ask Him to forgiveness, I know He will forgive me. So first, look back to the cross. Second dimension, look upward in the face of our loving Father. I mean, you begin by thinking about the cross and you turn backwards and then you look upward into the Father's face and focus on God and what He wants you to see Him. How He wants you to see Him. And he doesn't want you to see Him as your dictator or a boss or a supervisor or a coach. Here's how I want you to see Him. When He taught His disciples to pray, what did Jesus say? He said, you should start by saying, Our Father. Calling God Father. You know, you, you, you may not realize how radical of a thought that is, but in the Old Testament, nobody called God Father. 
He was called majestic. He's called king of kings and lord of lords and creator and Yahweh and, and a lot of other big terms. But only a couple people for thousands of years ever called God Father. So one of the things Jesus came to do was to explain what God was like. And he said, God wants you to call him Father. I mean, think about it when you pray. How many times you say Lord or God or, or whatever other terms you use. But, but this week, can I encourage you, when you pray, start with Father. It's the term he wants to be called. And the way that you see God will control your life more than anything else. It's how you see God. And when Jesus prays our Father, he, he meant it. So if you only make one change in your prayer life, begin by calling God Father. Because what you call someone sets the tone, right? If I meet someone and they call me Reverend Carrie, I know this is going to be a very formal meeting. And they, they also know they don't really know who I am. But if someone walks in and says, Hey Tim, how's it going? I know we're on the same level. I know that we can talk. See, what you call God sets your tone for prayer. And a lot of folks, when they pray, they, they act like they're applying for a loan at the bank and the loan officer is God. Or, or they're giving a deposition to an attorney and they're scared to death they'll say the wrong thing. Or they're taking a lie detector test with the FBI. But how you see God determines how much you enjoy prayer. It's your Father and He loves you. Romans 8, verse 15. It says this, You should not act like cowering, fearful slaves since God's Spirit has adopted you as children into God's family. That's what happens when you're saved. You're adopted into God's family. So now you're a child of God. You're in the family of God. You're adopted. He goes on. He says, Instead, by His Spirit, we simply cry out, Abba, Father, and God's Spirit affirms that we really are His children. And since we are now God's children, we are heirs with Christ. And we share both in His suffering and in His glory. It means we're in His family. It means we're going to inherit everything. And this verse is so packed with life-changing truth because he says, first, no longer be a slave of fear. I said, whatever you think of God determines how you pray. And, and if you think of God as this unpleasable deity or untouchable stranger, that, that affects your relationship. It's easy to tell what people think about God. Listen to their prayers. Do they talk to God like He's their father, their, their Abba, their dad? Do they have this family relationship with Him? Or is it more formal? Do you feel like the guy who's talking to God in prayer is more of a, a stranger and he's reading a speech to his teacher in front of a class? That's what many people see God like. See, this passage gives us some important points about prayer. First, God wants my prayers to be personal. So let's pray, Abba, Father, Daddy. 
It's the most basic root word in the Aramaic language that Jesus spoke. If you go to any Middle Eastern city right now and you see little kids walking down the street, they're going to say, Abba, Abba, Abba. It's, it's the word for daddy. Right? It means father. It means dad. It, it kind of sounds like it. In fact, it's the easiest word for a baby to say. Abba, dada, papa. Jesus says that's how you address God. Would that change the way that you pray? He said when you come and you pray, your words aren't to be flowery and beautiful and eloquent. They should be simple, childlike, unpretentious. Then he says not only should it be personal, it should be passionate. He said when we pray, we cry out, Abba, Father. Cry out. You know, I've noticed kids, children, they have no problem crying out, right? They, they do it a lot. In fact, they're, they're not embarrassed to do it at a mall in front of people or at stores or in public. Any, they couldn't care less if they're unhappy, if they're grumpy, if they're hungry, if they're sad, if they're whatever. They cry out. They let everybody know it. Are you that way in prayer? Are you more worried about what other people may think about your prayer life than, than actually just talking to God? God says when you come to Him in prayer, it should be personal, but it should be passionate. Cry out. Put a little oomph into it. God, I need to have this. I need you. I need your help. I'm being tempted and I can't stand it. I, I, I'm going under. I've got bills to pay. I don't know what decisions to make. Do I hold on? Do I let go? God, help me. You ever gotten emotional with God? God loves it when you share your emotion. Because God is an emotional God. In fact, the reason that we have emotions is because God created us in His image and He shares His emotions. The Bible says God gets angry and frustrated and jealous and God loves. I mean, why do you do that? Well, you're created in His image. So there should be things in your life that make you mad or frustrate you or cause you to cry out to God. So put that in your prayer. The third thing we see is it needs to be a partnership. God wants my prayers to be a partnership by His Spirit. See, you, when you pray, the Holy Spirit prays with you. It's kind of like when you talk to God, God is talking to Himself about you. Romans 8.26 In this way, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. So, so what does that mean? A couple things. Your loving Heavenly Father understands you don't often know how to pray. He understands you don't often know what to say or how to say it. And you can't put it into words. Any parent understands that, right? When Gage and Xander were little, they would come to me and they would try to say something and they couldn't always put it into words themselves, but, but I knew what they meant as a loving father. I, I knew what they were saying even when they couldn't say it. I mean, I knew what they were feeling even when they couldn't express it. I knew the answer even before the request was made. It's all about being a dad. So God doesn't get upset when you go, God, you know, I, don't, 
I don't know what to say. I'm just checking in. And God says, that's great. Thanks for checking in. Let's, let's hang out for a while. You, you don't even have to say anything. Let's just, let's just hang out, spend time together. You know, you don't always have to be moving your mouth to pray. Just sit there and be in the presence of God. And the Bible says that God joins with you and talks to himself when you talk to him. And you might think, isn't that weird? God talks to himself? Well, don't you talk to yourself? <laughs> I mean, you do it all the time, right? I know I do. Well, let me ask this. How many times has somebody been talking to you and while they're talking, you're talking to yourself about what they're talking to you? Ever happened to you? Does to me. Because we're made in the image of God. Okay, third. Talking about multi-dimensional, five-dimensional prayers. We begin by looking back at the cross and then we look into the loving face of my Father. And third is I look inward when I pray to Jesus living inside of me. I mean, Jesus lives in us, right? He's in our heart. When we became a Christian, when we surrendered our lives to Him, He gave us His Spirit. And now He lives in you. And since Jesus is in me, and I know I'm unconditionally accepted by my Father, it gives me the freedom and the courage to face up to my faults. And that's the third part of the prayer. I've turned from the cross to the Father to know what's inside me. Christ, you're in me, but there's some stuff in me that I don't like. Lord, there's some bad attitudes and there are some secret sins and compulsions and fears and hurtful memories and resentful moments. There's some unforgiveness. There's stuff in me that I don't know how to get rid of. And it's in there with you, so, so Lord, do some house cleaning. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 13. Examine yourself to see if your faith is real and growing. Test yourself. Remember, Jesus is living in you unless you failed your test. I mean, let me ask you, anybody else in this room other than me like to be better than you really are? Of course you would, right? I mean, it's part of the reason you're here. You want to be better. Well, we can't get better until we face what needs to be challenged, what needs to be changed. Before I can get better, I have to admit what's bitter, what's bad in my life. The truth sets you free. But first, it might make you miserable because the truth that you like least is the truth about you. I mean, if I'm being honest, the truth I like least is the truth about myself and I don't always want to be honest with myself. <laughs> but I can't change. I can't grow until I am. And it starts with looking into the face of my Father. Because I know He's going to accept me no matter what. He already knows about all the junk that's in my life. All the sin. And He accepts me unconditionally. He lives inside of me. So he knows what's going on in my life. So I can be honest with him. Look inward to Jesus living in me and I ask him to help me do the house cleaning and get rid of the junk in my life. 
See, the big secret is God already knows what you need to work on. Right? You're not going to pray to Him and He's going to go, Oh, I never saw that coming. Oh, I didn't realize it was that bad. No, He knows the stuff that you need to work on and He loves you anyway. But when you're honest with Him, it, it begins a whole new level of intimacy. And you can start with the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 gives us the nine fruits of the Holy Spirit. And it says this, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Man, I'd love to have all those things in my life, wouldn't you? I'd love to be more loving than I am now, more joyful, more peaceful, more patient than I am now, more self-controlled than I am now. Yeah, there's a lot. There's not a thing on that list that I don't want more of. Because it gives me a picture of who Jesus is. And you say, Jesus, you're in me. Show me what needs to change. Help to produce that fruit in my life today. Help me to be a little more loving, a little more joyful, a little more at peace. Every day, a little godly checklist because it gives us a picture of Jesus. Jesus produced fruit in me. Okay, so we looked backward at the cross. We looked upward at the Father. We looked inward at Christ in me. Fourth is look around. I look around in my world and I say, Holy Spirit, use me. Most dangerous words you can ever pray is use me. I mean, I dare you this week, pray that. Mean it. Because if you get usable, God's going to wear you out. Our world is waiting. Just, just look around. Look at the world around you. Look in our communities. Look at your jobs. Look at your school. Say, Holy Spirit, show me where you can use me today. Instead of criticizing our world, instead of complaining about our world and all that's going wrong, instead of judging our world because it doesn't work, say, Holy Spirit, show me what's wrong and show me how I can make a difference. Use me. I dare you. Pray that prayer. Romans 6.13 says, Give yourself completely to God, every part of you, since you've been given a new life and want to be used as a tool in the hands of God, used for His good purpose. That's the fourth dimension of prayer. God, use me the way you want to use me. Look around. Finally, the fifth dimension is look forward. Look forward to my future in faith. And now, in my prayer, I, I've looked to the past and I've looked up to God and I've looked within and I've looked all around and now I can look forward. Now's the time that I can talk to God about my schedule for today, for this week, for this month, for this year, for my next 10, 20 years. And I can talk to God, my Father, my Abba. That's the stuff God wants you to talk about. Right? Parents, you love when your kids come to you and talk about their dreams. You want to hear their plans, their thoughts, their ideas, and God wants to hear yours. So you talk to your father about the day ahead. You say, God, help me prioritize. 
I've got 19 things to do today, and I know I'm not going to get them all done. So show me what matters most. Help me make the right decisions in the right way. Help me to have the right energy. Because what God wired you for, and He made you for, and He wants you to accomplish, it's already been wired in you. Philippians 1.6 I'm confident of this, that God who began a good work in you will continue to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. You can go to the bank with that. I'm confident of this, that God who began a good work in you, you just started a little tiny bit. He will continue to complete it. He will be faithful. So that's five-dimensional praying. And understand, it's just it's another way to pray. I'm not saying it's the only way to pray. I'm not saying it's the best way to pray. I'm just giving you another opportunity, another option to help freshen up your prayer life. But you know that the five things I just shared with you will help you draw closer to God in your daily life, in your personal life. And honestly, shouldn't that be our goal? No matter what else we do, the question always is, are you drawing closer to God? Let me ask you as we close this morning, are you drawing closer to God? Maybe this morning you need to draw closer to God. It all begins when you surrender your life to Him. Is that what you need to do? If so, please come.